0: Greetings, Rare Ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries, from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Greetings, Rare Ones, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. And today I am joined all the way from Germany by William Chitangala. Hello, William, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, Joanne. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being on. I'm so si- excited to have you as a guest. Today we're going to be discussing the African future. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but before we jump into the topic William tell us who is William you live in Germany how did you get to Germany and yeah give us the background so we can learn a little bit about who you are
1: I'm sorry um, I actually grew up here in Germany mm-hmm. but I was born in Zambia mm-hmm. to Zambian parents uh, mm-hmm. who moved to Germany I think in 1990 so I've been living here for around yeah more than 30 years I've been Also living, you know, the the European life, Um, worked in (laughs) Italy for quite some time, was a very good time. And during that time in Italy, it was a pursuit, so basically my mastery in innovation and entrepreneurship, studied a little bit and there. Mm -hmm. Um, I own a company that builds companies, which means I'm a venture builder. And I focus really much on Africa and especially how culture and technology go together. Right.
0: Wow. That is pretty interesting. how technology and culture go together. Okay, before we jump into that part, so you said you 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 were born in the Zambia. How old were you when you moved to Germany?
1: Oh, it must have been uh, I must have been three. Yeah, three.
0: Oh wow, three. Do you yeah. have any memory of all at all of your of your childhood? Well, up until that point, three years old in um, back home in Zambia.
1: I do. And Sometimes you know how parents are; they bring memories back, even if you don't want to hear them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some fun of stuff. So, um, but still vivid. I'm, I still um, managed to travel there, and still managed yeah. also to to reconnect with the family. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of course has been changing, um,
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: also look forward to, in a sense, contribute to that um, change. That is, even if we um, are now undergoing that COVID crisis, still going to, to to happen, still happening. You know, okay. it's very very exciting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're my first guest from Zambia. Ah. So tell us tell us our listeners a little bit about Zambia. I I learned about Zambia in university when I studied the Lusaka Protocol. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like for those <laughs> in the southern Africa, it's like Zambia is um, has had a history in um, the African liberation um, absolutely in the mm-hmm. 1960s, 70s and 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 I think in the till the 1990s. And it is a landlocked country um, Mm -hmm. um, with uh, a northern border to the Congo, also Lake Tanganyika. And Mm -hmm. you have this rich influence from um, Central African culture. It's like the Mm -hmm. Congo culture, um, Amebenba. Um, which means our mm-hmm. people derived from the Congo. And then there's mm-hmm. also some southern African influence from the Ngoni and mm-hmm. the Zimbabwean um, or what is what has been um, the the heritage of Great Zimbabwe and um, um mm-hmm. the pre-colonial empires. And it's a an huge amalgamation of so many influences. And it's actually very exciting to, you know, find out um the nuances of your african identity
0: Mm, yeah william is uh somewhat of a historian when we first spoke i think the first like our not our maybe 40 minutes of our conversation was you breaking down all of southern african history to me remember and you were telling me that you've dated your like your family your um your lineage back how many years did you say? Till until uh, up, up until when?
1: Roughly about a thousand, a thousand one hundred A.D. Wow, yeah, and so that's so so like Uganda, so northern Uganda um, descended mm-hmm. from people that have inhabited uh, maybe what is now South Sudan or northern Ethiopia, uh, southern Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of area, then migrated to the Congo Basin, there's also a river called Kitangala, and also a term um, in, uh, in, in Luganda called Ikitangala, mm-hmm. it means basically the same, it means light, or sun,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or
1: what is of the sun, um, in, in Bamba it means to rejoice, but also charisma, I think this is very mm-hmm. interesting. And yeah. again, you know, our our um, heritage is so interconnected. There are multiple layers. And the moment when you think you know a thing, mm-hmm. 10 things that you have never um, thought of pop up and you want to discover them. So it's yeah. super interesting, super exciting to discover African history pre-colonial.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And people, people obviously, we... We're not going to make assumptions. Uh, People, a lot of people know their history, understand their history, but there are a lot of people who only know Africa from a post-colonial perspective, but there's also a pre-colonial perspective. I remember one of the first books I read when I was in university was um, Shea Anta Diop's Diop's book. Um, And I read quite a few of um, books by a lot of like pan-Africanists. And I was just like whoa because up until that point everything i learned about the continent was within a well like growing up in the caribbean i mean in well i can't say the caribbean i can only speak for where i grew up um where i was educated in the virgin islands we learned obviously about our history you know as the ancestors of enslaved africans but and sort of like which parts of the continent you would come from like you know you know, maybe what is now Ghana, what is now Nigeria. But that's sort of where it begins, right? You don't so it almost begins from a colonial perspective, but it doesn't go really, really deep. You know, so then when I got to university, that's when I was like, yes. (laughs) 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 And I took a deep dive and I was like, whoa, like there's there's just so much stuff. So yeah, Shrey Anta Diop has written a lot of incredible books about
1: the origins
0: of yeah, or the origins of African civilizations and so on. And uh, yeah, we had this whole conversation about how like they're just even people, like we were talking about me being like diaspora. I remember we talked about myself, people from Latin America and the United States who are dias like diaspora Africans and how we may not necessarily be that connected to the continent. But then you were like, there are also Africans who are born in on the continent who are not even connected to their their history and their roots. So yeah, it was an interesting conversation.
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually very interesting to act, uh, to have um, a sense of um, cultural continuity that you can build upon. And I must recognize that I'm actually in a very privileged position to know who I am that precisely. And, yeah, man. And, sure, yeah, sure. It's like that. I mean, how many people in Northern America or the Americas and at all, or also other parts of um, the African diaspora in Asia, it's like um, mm. southern, southern Arabia or the Gulf of mm-hmm. Persia, um, mm-hmm. have actually that kind of knowledge. I mean, it's like a thousand-year family familial history. Um,
0: yeah, I know many but, people you know, do. Depending on where they're from, like I've met people from different parts of like yeah. Persia, Iran, Egyptians. Yeah people from different parts of the world uh definitely people from saudi arabia who can tell you you know they they come from this tribe their roots because that part that part of the world saudi arabia they you know they were Bedouin people always moving around but i think there are quite a few people who can trace their roots far back but it's just whether they're interested and how how they were raised you know because some families put a premium a place a premium on that right like your roots you know knowing where you come from and and knowing your history and everything but I don't know, you know, to know where you're from back to 1000 something AD, that's pretty impressive. That's good. Yeah,
1: this is, it's very what, interesting also, yeah.
0: What was the most surprising thing you learned about your family, your family history?
1: Uh, that my mother is of royal lineage. Um, and Whoa. she never told me. <laughs> It's like, okay, Of course <laughs>
0: not. <laughs> really though? Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting that um, our family has been... Um, Part in the um the formation of nation states or nations, let's mm-hmm. say, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um from the especially from the Congo era to what mm-hmm. has been uh, the dissipation of the Congo kingdom to to what is now Bemba. And she had a very what what she basically told me was, um you know, um we as kids, we didn't put much emphasis on that, you know, we wanted to hear music, have our, you know, have our life, and she also gave that to me. But now that we are um, becoming more aware of that, that, you know, um, very few people in my country and also my family are, um, are having that kind of um, reflection that something is about to die or dissolve, and that is something that she has been instructed me in the last few years, mm-hmm. and um, also to, um, you know, to... To reconnect to that um to that past, and I think it is very interesting to see that it doesn't actually um, change too much of the relationship to yourself, but more to mm-hmm. the relationship mm-hmm. you have with your people you know with the and yeah. also with the world you know it's very, very intriguing
0: for sure, so what yeah. was it like growing up in Germany?
1: um I must say i'm I'm lucky because I grew up in a small town. Uh, mm-hmm. Small town life or village life is—you um, don't get to know a lot about the world, so that you have to concern yourself with uh, reading or going out mm. and it, just discovering. You know, just go out. And um, my friends are va- virtually coming from all over the world. And um, yeah. I think the first foreign language, um, besides French, I learned—I think—was Russian and I still can speak Mm -hmm. Russian, Uh, my Mm -hmm. friends come from Vietnam, Italy, um, some come from the Caribbean and I do still have this kind of um, very eclectic, um, um, you know, this very eclectic um, group of friends um, that I'm with and it's very beautiful to actually have this um, when you can, when you of course can um, live in a diaspora To connect with other cultures and also see, um, hedge your reality against other people's reality and see, okay, um, there are some shared experiences that I, as an African, also, um, that other people also have. So that, in that regard, was very, um, um, I think, important for what I'm doing right now.
0: Yeah, I love, I love how you how you framed that sentence just now. Hedging your experiences against other people's experiences. Right? Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. I like that. <laughs> I like you.
0: that. Because I think we do that all the time, don't we? We're always doing that.
1: I hope so. I hope so that we do. And, um, um, and what I've been, you know, when I built my company, when I created a business plan, um, I thought it was very helpful to not only do this out of a um, Eurocentric perspective, but or not only also out of, out of an Afrocentric perspective, but also to compare different economic systems and different um, systems of bringing about innovation and <coughs> entrepreneurship, um, learning from the Japanese way um, that they have a specific model. The, for lean, the lean way. Yeah, the lean way is also... Actually, the the, 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 the first principle of um, economics is that it is rooted in culture. Culture comes right. first, you know. then comes mm-hmm. um, the economic system. And just to see how um, lean, for instance, derives from an aesthetic and spiritual practice that is Zen, you know, yeah. the Zen philosophy, and how it has um, influenced the bringing about of innovation and entrepreneurship um, also with Kanban and, and Kaizen and so forth but also how the Chinese are doing this in terms mm-hmm. of embracing Confucianism um, as part mm-hmm. of their cultural fabric in bringing about um, economics, you know, it's like their thing um, mm-hmm. and discovering, okay what is actually the African um, and
0: Singapore as well Singapore, Singapore has really been good at that too yeah.
1: Exactly. You you start with culture, you know. Starting it's with like...
0: culture. Starting it's... with culture.
1: Yeah. For and sure. one of one of your guests, uh, Kitawa, I'm giving a shout out to you, Kitawa. Hey, Weibu. Kiki. <laughs> mm-hmm. She said, "Culture um, eats lunch for breakfast," and it's true. I like, saw that on Twitter. It's <laughs> <for breakfast."> like, <laughs> like so beautiful. Yeah. And And um, just to having mm. um, that that leap from okay, you are now reading Che Ante Diop, and um, I don't know so many hist- uh, African history, but how do you actually connect that uh, with what you're doing right now, and even more important, with our future? How do we actually make this work? And I think mm-hmm. this was actually so such um, an amazing journey um, intellectually, but also real physically. I had to travel a lot in order to understand. And yeah. yeah, it's like now I'm here and ready to go. You know, it's like let's let's take that future. And build it, you know.
0: Absolutely. So that's a perfect segue into just your bi- your business and and your entrepreneurial pursuit. So, what exactly is the name of your business, and what do you do?
1: Yeah, my company is called Chitangala Io, and mm-hmm. it is a venture builder, uh, more precisely, mm-hmm. an innovation studio. And we focus on um, bringing about innovation um, mm-hmm. that is focusing on the African economy or African economic um, challenges. And mm-hmm. we have actually framed out, I mean, we are a team of four uh, venture builders, and um, two in the tech role, two in the marketing role. And mm-hmm. we have um, framed out the key challenges of the African people in the next or in this 21st century and beyond. What are actually the key trends that we are actually observing? And mm-hmm. well, how can we actually utilize innovation to build upon those um, those developments? You know those those things that are th- that we have to um, basically face. You know, it's been doing actually a SWOT analysis, if you will, just looking at um, what is actually the long term perspective. And I think the one, th- or, I mean, we had um, we figured out four, I think, major. Um, deterministic factors to look at one was um, um, one was climate definitely Mm -hmm. something to look at climate and nature Um, Mm -hmm. the next thing was urbanism Um, the growth of gigantic cities I think even by Mm. conservative estimates 2100 a city like Lagos uh, Congo Kinshasa It's like mm-hmm. eighty million people are going to live there. Eighty million. Absolutely. Germany has Absolutely. eighty million people. I mean, just yeah. picture that. You know? Well, you um, know,
0: William, I mean, just looking yeah. at looking at the numbers alone,
1: yeah.
0: um, I think it's something like by twenty fifty the continent is gonna have two point four billion people.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean just picture that. some them. crazy
0: number like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And all under Right now, very young, but then all under the age of 25 or something, yeah. very young population as well.
1: Yeah, and this is so important that you've pointed that out. You're doing actually the most smoothest trans- transitions ever, you know? Uh, now because, I'm trying you know, my like, best to keep yeah. up with you, William. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's beautiful because of the next big trends definitely demographics. Um, mm-hmm. 2.4 billion, 2050, mm-hmm. conservatively mm-hmm. estimated. Um, yes, yes. Um, 2100, 4.4 4 billion. I mean, picture that, 4.4 billion. And wow. I think the last trend um, we observed is something that has been going on um, mm-hmm. since the internet connected us with each, with each other, and that is identity. Um, we wow. about, yeah, it's identity.
0: Okay, so William, repeat them again the list. What's the first one? Tell us again. Uh,
1: The first one is um, ecology or climate change. The second uh one is urbanization. The third one is um, demographics. And Mm -hmm. the fourth one is, uh, what did I say? (laughs) Uh, Identity, African identity. Identity. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Mm -hmm. We have focused on solving the um, issue that comes with affirming an African identity. And mm-hmm. identity in us so far and as so much is um, so beautiful to tackle because you couldn't have 4.4 4 billion or 2.4 billion people um, who are not having the same shared experiences, um, who mm-hmm. think, you know, they, they think of themselves first as, you know, Ghanaian, Zambian, um, African American. You know, you name it. Or even
0: even 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 deeper than that. I mean, if you're in Ghana or like if you're in Nigeria, you might think of yourself as Ibu first, yeah, before Nigerian, depending on where you you know you come from.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And even yeah. then, you can also further fragment it. You know, but something actually oh, yeah. very interesting is happening, and I think mm-hmm. this is thanks to the internet. Um, thanks yeah. to also um, I think a positive aspect of social networks has that. You have a generation of black people all around the world and the continent that um, embrace that they are Africa, that they are African mm-hmm. first. It is a growing number. Mm-hmm. It is a substantial mm-hmm. number. It is not um, that every you know black person in the world views themselves as I'm African first. It's still, you know, right. You know, mm-hmm. but it is substantial enough to actually see that these people who do. Um, could actually facilitate an economy that could you know be around 200 million to 500 million um, mm. to 800 million to maybe 1.1 1. Mm. 1 billion. so it is substantial and we are dealing with young people and do you know how young people affirm their identity it's like they go out and consume culture you consume yourself into being something um mm. you engage, you experience what you want to be and I think mm-hmm. um, here's where culture comes into play because creating mm-hmm. culture and creating African culture is not something that comes passively, it is something that you can uh, really design um, African experiences especially um, if you want to build um, cultural um institutions or solutions that affirm certain aspects of african culture you know that is something that mm-hmm. we've been trying to work out um and mm-hmm. we started in 2018 january 16th okay the german who know he knows yeah yeah um mm-hmm. uh, <laughs>
0: yeah
1: but uh, it's very interesting uh, to see that development happening and the younger the people are the more african um, they think of themselves. So it is very interesting to see mm. now, maybe the first um, African generation um, evolving in the term, or to to actually affirm also the vision of Cheikh Ante Diop, the African Renaissance, has to start um, with an African s- uh, state of identity first, and then come the economics on top of that. This is very interesting that it's so elegantly also fusing together, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, okay. But, but this, is, this is really, really interesting. And I want to know how, okay, the four areas that you outlined, is that what you and your business partners then said you would focus on uh, in terms of creating businesses or acquiring businesses?
1: Mm, we want to focus on identity. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the I think other um, entrepreneurs are far better in um, solving other areas um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do. and it is indeed right. uh, we don't only want to build businesses um, mm-hmm. but also at a stage I think makes also sense to acquire um, um, businesses into the portfolio um, depending right. of course um, on how they are actually in line with um with the vision but I think um, this is less of the problem but um, But actually, the good timing, maybe it's like two, three or four years, we can talk about hello, entrepreneurs. I hope that you're listening about acquiring um, businesses.
0: Sure, sure. So the team that you have there in Germany, you guys are building businesses and I guess acquiring or in the future, you'd like to acquire businesses. Yes? Yes. So tell us a little bit about some of the businesses that you have now in your portfolio. Yeah, what are you guys working on?
1: Yeah. There's one company I'm particularly proud of. Um, it is, mm-hmm. We just had a session before we actually um, came to talk. Um, okay. It is a food and life science company. It is in the f- intersection between food and life sciences. And I think that mm-hmm. it is as so far so important to see this, um, to see food as part of cultural um, and identity building um, activity uh, because mm-hmm. it does really impact you. Uh, from the right. genetics to, you know, your health. It is it is so powerful. Um, mm-hmm. On the other part, you see, of course, that um, agriculture is the big um, value bringer on the continent. It is the um, biggest economic, um, you know, the, the biggest economic machine that we have. And if we, and we were actually, okay, how can we actually open up the the diaspora to um, an African way of eating, an wh- African way of preparing, mm. foods, you know. And we mm. actually started, mm-hmm. you know, just wanted to start with um, that is import foods, you know, from the continent. And then we encountered, mm. of course, many problems. And you know how uh, difficult um, international trade is. It's one of the <laughs> most ungratifying um, businesses or economic sectors you can operate in especially in really? south african it is um it is mm. cool because there you meet um there you meet um i think um neo colonialism at its finest you know this is this really way it is, yeah it's like um and you have to work yourself mm. uh, what uh, what i want to say is also the thing is very important that it's possible um if you do the work and we came to create a solution um yeah. that does basically um promote African-based agriculture and food culture across the diasporas because we came to research that people who migrate from the continent to the west face mm-hmm. a lot of health issues. We have seen this in the Somali community that migrated mm. from Somalia to Sweden. Is, there, mm-hmm. There's a very good study. There's a
0: massive community you know? there Yeah. in in. They, and in, in Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota in the Minnesota U.S. Minnesota too, I think, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And it is like, um, and now you see this also in, uh, during the corona crisis. There are things um, that we have to be very wary of, that um, culture is not just um, eating good for the sake of eating good. It is also a eating for health. And African foods are, because African soil is Extremely rich in nutrients that we need. Mm. I mean, we come from a biology, but um, from a continent that just mm-hmm. because you have migrated um, or have been taken forth out of the continent um, 600 years ago or 400 mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. it does not mean that your biology is actually now um, adapting to the reality that you're in, you know. I mean. There have been don't... studies
0: done on that, you know, on, like, African-Americans and people like myself who are yeah. in the Caribbean and Latin America. Oh, yeah. There have been those types of studies that have been done on how, for example, why is it that certain communities of African descent only suffer from, say, hypertension? Like, just mm-hmm. a random example. And they believe it, it it's definitely connected to the fact that, you know, you have certain groups of people that were taken from... I guess, where their their original homelands, where they would have been eating and living a certain way for a very long, long time. Mm-hmm. And then after being removed, they had to adapt. And through the adaptation, there were changes and so on and so forth. Yeah, it yeah. happens. I think there have been studies like that done on Jewish communities as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Around well, this, the
1: world. Yeah. So there's also, again, you know, hedging this reality against other cultures, you know. Um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting to 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 see this, and what we want to achieve with this venture, its name is Kaya Kayo. Um, you know is the you know our assumption was that everyone loves African food mm-hmm. but most people just don't know yet. So what we want to um actually do is not only to target African people, but I think that african foods African way of eating. Um, also mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is um, brings about health um, mm. does also mm. affect um, I think or diabetes I think the, this term is actually very important something that we have yeah, diabetes yeah mm-hmm. diabetes type 2 and obesity uh, oh wow that yeah that too and when you live mm-hmm. uh, in the northern hemisphere or you know uh, um, a little bit further in the north, um, um, you gotta make sure that you get enough sun. Something that yeah. is also unaddressed, very important. I, I it's beautiful outside. I go, I'm going to take a walk for some hours, and okay. um, and also of course um, eating well. And to 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 put this not um, only in kind of an advice, we thought it would make sense to launch a lot of you know brands that are actually um, tackling this this. Um, this issue, but also to educate um, people um, about the benefits of African food culture, meaning also the eating itself, um, which means eating, you know, when you eat, I think this is in the Caribbean quite the same, you eat in Mm -hmm. company, you know, it's like with a family, and this is also very healthy, you know, when you have one bowl um, and several side dishes or you share a plate um, shown to be also very um, healthy to the To to your, you know, especially to your gut, to your gut Mm -hmm. microbiome, and um, to some some communities do um, adapt better to Western lifestyles, like the Eritrean and Ethiopian community, because they Mm -hmm. have their food culture, they bring it with them, and some Mm -hmm. others don't. You know, it's like very interesting to see this that um, you can actually tackle a lot of problems. And then there's also the the um, development factor is like we work um, with our um, farmers and producers all African um, on the ground Um, even if it's pest control we have also um, a company that we work with and also um, are engaged in uh, with a a robotics company that is doing Mm. stuff so it's like a vertical integrated um, uh, solution if you will from the continent um, to now first Germany, but hopefully to other parts of the diaspora as well too.
0: Okay, Wow. Mm-hmm. so you've got you've got the agriculture company. you've got what was the you've got the the tech company?
1: Yeah, so robotics.
0: robotics, which is yeah. focused oh how how is the robotics solving a, a problem? and I'm assuming this would be a problem somewhere on the continent. What exa- how is it being used the robots?
1: It's for pest control. For plant protection, we use drones. Um, Mm -hmm. This is is actually not a company in our portfolio, but a company that um, uh, I'm involved in, Um, not in Chitangalayao, but I'm still involved in this company. And what it does is um, it uses robotics to um, actually increase the productivity of African agriculture and make it also um, make um, good pest control affordable for smallhold farmers, you know. Um, so that we also can keep the a, a good portion of the, of the land of the wealth and also the um the benefits of better agriculture into the into the hands of people who have the land already. You know, it's like not the big mm-hmm. um, multinational companies that are buying up, um, you know, African lands, but you know, it's like they can do it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. So, what is your vision for your company, Chitangala Io, yeah. with the lovely website?
1: Oh, thank oh, cool. you. <laughs> so the vision is, um, I think, to, I, I think it's a very bold vision, but mm-hmm. I want to bring about with this company a new form of humanity um, mm-hmm. in a sense that technology has ha- had in the past actually failed to do that, to address mm-hmm humanity in um of um in in our world uh, we see well, that
0: technology technology yeah. can't do that right only people yeah. can the technology exactly. is just it technology is just the tool but people yeah. still have to be human and and do yeah. the human work right
1: i agree with you you know this is something that um i learned it actually the hard way because when i was in mm. Italy, i was doing some research on how blockchain can Actually, um, you know, solve problems, and there's actually always, I think, in tech communities, um, a cusp that isn't crossed mm. because they are too tech centered. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It's like you doing then technology for technology's sake. and The beautiful Absolutely. thing, you know, about culture is when you once once you approach it from the flip side, when you start with culture first, with um, the human side first and with humanity first um, you can actually use the same Technology but open yeah. up a variety of new um, Possibilities I think the best example is um, paper as a technology you can use it to you know pay your bills, you know, you can mm-hmm. uh, use it as a ledger, you know, it's money mm-hmm. and so forth, but mm-hmm. I think the big value of paper is that it is a storage of collective identity. You know, you can mm. share stories, write stories, feelings, um, histories. You know, you can record who you are as a human, and also then go back far, uh, very fetch, very far into um, into humanity. And so you, so you can, so you have this technology that helps you build, uh, build, building a sense of who you are you know mm, and mm. Um, on the other hand I see that technology is also a creative tool you know it is something yeah. that you can use just like a pen pen and paper to write mm. history to express yourself and right. um, to also to reframe what technology is is something that um, that we had to do first before we actually start anything that we use technology mm. or we use innovation because um, we want to not only, um, yeah, have something in the world for its for the sake of self, but create mm. stories and identities. And uh, it is not so that um, this idea is novel. I think a lot of companies have done so, but in but in the process of their success, have forgotten. How important uh, the amalgamation of um the liberal arts and technology is. I think the best example was Apple, that started mm-hmm. out um with, with this claim of technology or the personal computer being a creative tool for artists on which you can write stories and I think. Um, now we have Apple still a great company though. But it's a you know an electronics company, you know, it's like it's nothing um, special anymore. And I think um, technology can do so much more um, to contribute to our humanity. And this is actually what we want to do. And I think there's a certain aspect of African humanity um, that is, or let's say humanity itself, as the origin um, is on our continent, um, that has been detached from what we are. Um, right now in this day and age and to bring that back mm. to bring that essence of um, humanity back um, through technology is um, actually my mission
0: that's very uh how would i describe that that is definitely a different way of thinking about about how to use technology mm-hmm. and I think it's refreshing. That's the word I'm looking for. That's very refreshing, (laughs) refreshing, because, you know, William, right now, I think everything is so siloed. I'm in tech, whatever that means. You know, people are always like, I'm in tech. I'm a woman in tech. I'm doing this tech like it's very sort of like, okay. for example, if you're an artist, you're, you're not supposed to be tech. But tech is in tech is everywhere. Tech, you know, it's not a site. It's not siloed. It's not like when I get up in the morning, I I don't interact with technology. I'm interacting with technology every single day of my life. Everybody is in tech. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, maybe the people designing the technology are perhaps a little bit different. But even then, most people that no technology it's self-taught they they tinker with things they play around with things they teach themselves things but -hmm. I think the point you're trying to make and correct me if I'm wrong is that technology has been extracted from like the creative and like you said liberal arts like process and now it's become so so just very specific and very narrow and people have become very detached from it and I think that's that's a fault of the tech community. I think the tech community are not very good. Like you said earlier, they build tech for tech's sake and they're not very good at educating people on the technology and why we need it and how it should be used. Mm. And like you said, there's just a lot of people building stuff that nobody uses or nobody understands because it's just like, oh, let's just get geeky and build something. But it's not being used in, in a way, like you said, that can benefit humanity. Yeah. Is that right? Like, is that what you're saying, essentially?
1: Yeah, I think this is so important. You know, there's so, of course. Now we're um, at. Um, I have to give a shout out to Sonia, who uh, with um, whom I talked to uh, yesterday. Sonia? She's from New York. Yeah, Sonia Ganes. Hey,
0: Sonia. And hey, Sonia. Uh,
1: she is amazing because what she actually does is uh, she is one of those persons that can move, or not say move between those two two worlds, tech and culture or the arts, but she embodies that, you know, she is both, she, um, Mm. she knows how to, um, how, how to, um, work with both faculties, you know, the, the rational Mm. and the, um, creative on a high level, you know, it's like, and this is something that, um, maybe also to come back to the term Renaissance, there's also the term Renaissance person, um, a Mm -hmm. person that is, um, that that doesn't um, see see silos in a sense, or or is um or, or see something as uh, a science in a in a disciplined way, but uses knowledge to create something out of itself, you know. Yeah. And, um. I think prior to the industrial revolution, this was actually the main source of education that you had. People that were, you know, um. Artists, architects, uh, mathematicians, uh, lawyers, Mm -hmm. you know, in in one person, you know.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's (laughs) It's like. And it was normal. It was normal. It was normal.
1: And I can understand out of an economic reasoning that you have to have a society that is specialized. But um, in this age, um, with the abundance of information, I think we need more people who know how to extract. Um, the information from a variety of um, sciences and arts Absolutely. and creates something entirely new, you know that's like,
0: I agree, yeah. I agree. I think we call these people maybe multipotentialites,
1: yeah, multipotentialites I, I see that. I like that,
0: yeah, or people who they're not specialists. I don't yeah. want to say generalists because then sometimes that word kind of, I don't know, it 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 doesn't really give the give i think the the value that that the term needs it i don't want to say oh you're just a generalist i mean you're not a specialist but you're someone who knows how to look across across different um sort of areas of specialties and you can extract what's needed and what's necessary and you know how to combine them i mean isn't that innovation you know and make them work in new ways yeah
1: this is innovation it's raw innovation you know it's like it is beautiful, yeah. and um, yeah. it is once you see the um, underlying architecture of um, of the sciences or the arts, you know, it's like basically all the same. It's all interconnected. I was picking up yeah. um, a, a sunflower, okay, mm-hmm. and the sunflower mm-hmm. has in its middle um, its seeds that are perfectly aligned to the number phi. It is, you know high science at its, at its finest. It works, it is um, aesthetically pleasing and it is, um, it is biologically the most efficient way to arrange those seeds. So if you then just um, extract those kinds of um, information and then um, dip into various um, areas, you see the interconnection of beauty, of um, of numbers, you know, the beauty in numbers, the beauty of thinking... Um, and uh-huh. a variety of things, and also the beauty of um discovering and and technology and science is coming with it, you know, to make this mm. world more understandable or this universe mm. more understandable. you know this is mm. I know this is very um I, I get carried away easily, you know, thinking about this um, but it's so intriguing to just think what um if we think about bringing about a new humanity, um, means mm-hmm. that it's also not about new humanity. I think that's also, I think ancient wisdom, if you if we will, but to have that again in our in our presence. You know, this is something very inspiring.
0: Yeah. So how how are your companies contributing to the African future then, or how would you like your companies to contribute to the African future?
1: Yeah, I think right now it is the most rewarding experiences um, prior to COVID, we were holding workshops, especially for um, younger people um, of African descent um, Mm -hmm. to just let them build their own solutions and come up with their own ideas. And what I discover is that the more we are um, dealing with um, youth, with young people, the better they are actually in understanding what they have to do. Um, mm. I have to say mm. uh, they are, you know, with uh, with 20-something
0: mm-hmm. or not
1: even 20-something, with 15, 16, 18, you know, it's like teenagers um, mm-hmm. have a better understanding of what I had, you know, just a few years ago of um, who they want to be and
0: Absolutely, uh, as an yeah. African
1: people. So um, I actually don't have to do much. I just have to provide the knowledge and link it in the platform. You know, it's it's already there. Now it's like, mm. yeah.
0: Okay, I I have a challenge for you.
1: Go ahead. I want you.
0: Me. I want you to write a book called "The Future Is African."
1: Uh, I don't
0: know if I don't know if there's a book out already called that. If I am, audience members, forgive me. Um, but I want you to write a book called "The Future Is African" because uh-huh. there is an amazing book by an author called Parag Khanna and he's yeah. written this bestseller called the future is asian. and in this book he's essentially outlined the hist- he's given a history of the world but he gave it from an asian view. then he goes into like the history of asia. Um, he talks about greater asia and the return of that, of this greater asia. he breaks down asia breaks down asia into like economic aspects, political asp- aspects, cultural aspects. he talks about how you know the Asians in the diaspora and the Asians at home. And he just goes into different different dynamics and relationships, Asia and Europe. and sort of he even defined, redefines Asia, not just politically but geographically, which is really interesting. And he talks about all the new partnerships that have come across in the new Asia. And it's just an amazing, and the future of Asia, and it's just this amazing book, you know, he's called it the, we're in the Asian century. So it's sort of like, uh, in modern history, you know, Europeans had their time when they were essentially colonizing the world, then there was, you know, slavery and all of that stuff. And then the Americans had their time, where they, you know, where were the big economic power, and now Asia is having its time. Again, modern history, we're not talking about prior to that, because we know that, different countries have been rising and falling since the beginning of time but in modern history right and he and he ends with just this sort of asia is going global now and the fusion of all these like different civilizations and the role asia is going to play you should write a book like that but for africa
1: yeah features africa i see you doing that i would love to and it's basically too. And oh. Your
0: podcast, <laughs> the future is. Oh, okay, this is okay. The William's, gonna a, William's gonna do. William's gonna do. William's gonna start a podcast. Yeah, yeah hear, I maybe he could call it, it the future. You <laughs> heard you heard it first on the RB podcast. Yeah. Rare ones, the rare ones. No, I'm you always looking it. out for them. Yeah, but no, I'm I'm really serious. I think that when I read that book, I read that book more than once. The future is Asian, and um. I read it in different parts. I have crazy things that I do. Sometimes I don't always read a book from front to back. I read middle, back. I just read books how I want to, you know. And I kept thinking, there needs to be a book called The Future is African, African Future. And when you told me that we're going to talk about the African future, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Uh-huh. you got to write a book. you got to write um, a book on the African
1: future. Because the
0: future, yeah, wonderful. Because the future is African, right? Yeah, The future is. is African. It
1: is. Um, without yeah, I mean,
0: just without, I mean, just factually, yeah, looking at the numbers, looking at the trends, the future is African. Um, so, yeah. and then when you when you've written the book, you can come back on the podcast and will, tell us all about I will. it., Yes,
1: yeah. I will. I think it's, it's something uh, you know, you have the talent to break up um, hidden ideas or desires out of people. You think them, so? That's yeah, the
0: teacher in me. That's the teacher you, in me coming and then, up. You know, Yeah.
1: Like, okay. I think yeah, as, yeah. As, it would actually be very interesting to actually um, create um, or now finalize the idea of so many um, visions that have been there before I was, you know, like the vision of Pan-Africanism.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: and so the vision of the African Renaissance, also Jake Anta Yes. Um, Yes,
0: you could start, you could start with just by going through all these, you know, great minds of, you know, who were involved with the pan-Africanism could form a a key part of of your book, you know, like you had pan-Africanists, you know, those in the Americas, those in the Caribbean, those in Latin America, and Mm -hmm. friends of the pan-Africanists, like Fidel Castro and others, you know, who were, who were kind of like allies of of the movement and so on and then that kind of died out and um for various reasons but yeah i think that would be so amazing if you could yeah. if you could connect that and bring that all together and bring it full circle so that uh-huh. we can see how how like the world i think there's a strong african presence in the world but people don't always realize that and i think uh-huh. there is also it's everywhere. I I see it all around me all the time, particularly amongst young people um, Mm -hmm. who are not necessarily African or of African descent. And I think also there's a strong African awareness amongst people of African descent now, like they're proud of it. Whereas Mm -hmm. maybe 15, 20 years ago, that wasn't there. So maybe Mm -hmm. you could kind of end with this sort of like pride in this African spirit and this African essence. You, you could do a lot with it. You should, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's so you're, you're gonna write so the book. beautiful. It's
1: you're like, gonna... uh, it's, you know, the book is taking care of itself, you know, and um, yeah. and, and with all these mi- yeah.
0: all the mixing now, like Africans and different African people who mix with people who are not African, and you have all these like half German, half Italian, half you know Jamaican, half Russian. There's so many like layers to the African yeah. experience now. It isn't it is, just one thing. You
1: know? Oh, yeah. do you know that? Um, what was the famous um, Russian poet's name? Oh, I, I forgot. How could I forget his name? But he was of African ancestry.
0: I'm not surprised. There's Pushkin. so there's so many people. Oh, really?
1: Pushkin. There's
0: so many there's so many people who have an African heritage. But we also we have to remember that historically, you know, proclaiming your Africanness wasn't always something to be proud of, right?
1: Yeah. But he now was so that's yeah, He was super Black. I mean, he was proud of him, <laughs> his, his ancestry.
0: But now, yeah. more so. Because yeah. remember we talked about, like, how complex Blackness is in, yeah. like, for example, Latin America. Even that's changing now where there's, like, this people are more proud to say, like you hear the term Afro-Latina a lot. Mm-hmm. So people are proud to say, you know, I'm African. Whereas before that wasn't always there or like, you know, just different parts of the world, how people experience Blackness differently. I think there's more pride now than there was before. So that could be a part of, you know, the future being African, this this sort of um, global communal sense of Africanness and pride in African yeah, culture and how that's going to, all impact the continent in a positive way economically Uh culturally politically socially all aspects
1: exactly i think this is so interesting to see that um also coming um together you know i mean the 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 basic um cosmogony of the african people from Mm -hmm. ever since is the circle you know it's like there's birth you know um day dawn and death you know it's like um, like in the Congo but also from the, from the Nile Valley civilizations it is like mm-hmm. everything moves in circles and mm-hmm. we are now more or less um, I think this is what is actually meant with African Renaissance so the rebirth um, of African um, identity or of the African thought in the world and to see this and to discover and to dissect of course um, the different um, truths people have acquired through our separation and yeah. to reunite this into one big um, consciousness Consciousness, not only as a creative part but also as an economic activity um, this is what yeah. actually culture is and to create that culture um, or this cultural at least or the, the cultural institutions that can bring forth several aspects of um, our identity this is something extremely intriguing very intriguing
0: absolutely i want to read from your website is that okay william
1: please please
0: african art of innovation we create tech ventures for the african future okay then you talk about your vision and you know the the vision the renaissance age of innovators and then you say the wealth of our continent is not in our minds it's in our minds beautiful right am i am i and then who we work for we work for the next billion how will young africans engage with the culture create a sense of identity all the things you mentioned before and share their ideas to billion to billion of other users by merging the digital and physical world we design culture-centered experiences that inspire products that are cool and solutions that are bold for a taste making and mobile only generation yeah we build afrotech ventures amazing i love like just all of that
1: oh, thank just you a all lot. of that thank you a lot
0: it resonates with me yeah i like it i like it a lot so oh, this will give people an idea of You know what you're trying to do and what you're trying to get at when you say you know an african future like your whole your whole ethos like everything on your your website the work that you do is all about building building something unique for the future particularly for the younger generation so yeah yeah. so you know um uh at the ending of each show i always ask guests to to share lessons learned not advice but just lessons learned From your experience and or any encouraging words
1: Um, yeah I think due to the fact that um, we are now as a global community in a um, in a phase in which we have to keep trying and pivoting um, I think it makes sense to to reach out to not be afraid or too proud to reach out to people um, who could propel your idea forward or just give you um, some balance, you know, in times of uncertainty. This is my take, Mm. Joanne, from reaching Mm. out to you. It's like Mm -hmm, keep mm -hmm. your eyes on the price and and continue that long-term vision. You know, it's always, of course, um, even now, now even more, um, Mm. tempting, to Mm. give in to a to a frustration or to you know to the anger that we have to face oh my gosh as you as
0: william i want to interject very quickly because as you say that right now there are uprisings in the united states black people yeah and black and and the allies of black people so what you said just now is so pertinent Mm. please continue I think
1: because I was thinking about them, you know, it's like I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about my community Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, sometimes it seems daunting to um, be uh, kind of repressed into this situativeness or to this hell, this tactical hell in which you just respond to an immediate violence or an immediate emergency. Um, Mm -hmm. It is so strong and also so tempting to get back to um, contemplating the future that we have and that is also promised i have to say all we have to do is to keep our eyes on the price and i mean that as promised by the very mm-hmm. definition of the word but this is topic for another <laughs> podcast i hope so
0: yeah we gotta yeah. do like a panel on this but no yeah. it's 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 relevant and it's true yeah. and i'm glad you i'm glad you mentioned that i felt like we can't do a recording without mentioning that right yeah. but i think you know these times not just black people because there are black people all over the world who are looking at the us now and who are just kind of like oh my god we're Mm -hmm. all having conversations wherever we are whether we're on the continent in latin america in the caribbean wherever we are as black people the conversations are happening right Mm -hmm. and these aren't new conversations like everybody knows what's been happening in the united states everybody knows the history of the united states but when these things happen there's like this reflection that happens. There's this inflection that happens, you know, like we're constantly reminded that there's, there's this pending struggle, (laughs) you know, like it's always in your face. But I think, um, there's this guy in America, what's his name? Big Mike. He's like, a is he a rapper? I can't remember people who are America, who are American, who are listening would know. he, he, he's, he's in Atlanta and he gave us, he gave like a talk, like a speech. And he was in, he was trying to inspire the younger people like stop burning stop stop looting and burning your right. own yeah, like your own things you know like I know you're angry and I know you want to burn everything down. But then you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to realize you burnt down all your businesses. You burnt down all of your assets. Like, that's not the way forward. And one of the things that he said that resonated with me, and he said this like three, four times, because I felt like this was the point of the gist of what he was trying to say. He was like, now is the time to organize, you know, Mm -hmm. now is the time to mobilize. Now is the time to strategize. And he kept saying that. And I think that when these things happen, whether you're black, brown, whatever you are, it reminds you that initially you always, the first reaction is to go out and fight, you know, like you get very emotionally driven. And I think that I'm not saying the people who are out there uprising shouldn't be, I think rightly so they should. But then there's also another aspect of this that needs to happen, which is we have to really think strategically about where we are in the world and our position in the world and how we can use who we like, whoever we are, and what we have to like affect that change. Like you don't have to be living in America right now to have, These conversations, like every Mm -hmm. country has has its stain, you know, has its people that it that oppresses. So, yeah, and I think yeah, it's
1: very beautiful. Yeah, and
0: these these are very important. Thank you. These are very very difficult but important conversations that we need to have. I constantly reminded that we can't rest, and I feel like 2020 has been a gift because. Everybody thought that 2020 was going to be, yeah, 2020. Da, da, da. And you know what 2020 turned out to be? 2020 turned out to be the year we all needed. Because I think so many of us have been just living on, I don't know, like, just, just, just living every day in our own little bubbles. Yeah. And not really not really thinking about other people, not, you know, we all do it, I do it, not thinking about other people, not thinking about the bigger world, even though I like to say I'm global, you know, thinking about other people, thinking about how we're all connected, and 2020 has forced us to, it's forcing us to be better, you know, because we're looking around and we're seeing people dying from this virus, you know, COVID, once again, reminding us of how, really bad our societies are at taking Mm -hmm. care of each other how torn we are you know now we see again black lives in america and i think it's forcing us all to reflect on who we are and what kind of world we want to live in
1: yeah i think we i I fully subscribe this um we need this shock right now we have hell yeah we need this like a slap in the face Um, absolutely otherwise it's not you know it's like very important that we um, yeah Have to go through this. And um, yes, yes. I'm not, you know, um, I think when you're an entrepreneur, you become Mm -hmm. emotionally um, intelligent in terms of you know how to counterbalance times of crises and stress and also welcome that because it actually purges anything that you have, um, any, you know, any BS basically. From, yes from your consciousness and this is very important and also that you said yes. I was actually very complacent and not actually um, doing things um, with determination just you know okay it's going to yeah. be another day but now it's um, the time to think on in a become in uncomfortable a, a, yeah uncomfortable. To, to become uncomfortable and to also do the work it's not going yeah, to be easy. Yeah. I mean we want that future but it's not going to be easy it's going to be very 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 hard and um,
0: and i'm so tired william mm-hmm. of people wanting normal i'm like forget mm-hmm. normal there's never going to be no more any more normals or new normals or any of that stuff that's gone uh, <laughs> this, this is it now yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is the reality i feel like by asking for normal and new normal it's our way of trying to get back to where bef- we where we were before which is that complacency you know, I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to drink my coffee at 8.30 and then I'm going to do this and then mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. And there's no more of that. Now you can't drink your coffee at 8.30 because your coffee is halfway across the world and logistically it can't get here because of COVID-19. So forget mm-hmm. your coffee. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I I think we need to forget about normal. And I know people want that psychologically. We want that affirmation of normalcy, but there's no more normal, and there's no more new normal. It's just the way it is, and we need to constantly embrace and accept the cha- the new changes that are constantly going to be coming.
1: Yeah, there's something interesting happened. Um, mm-hmm. Also, it is I think yeah. in the making, and um, there's a lot of things going on right now, also in our communities. And when I, you know, subscribe to a certain idea, or when someone is asking me. Um, um if I could help and I ask myself ask myself, okay we are dealing with a crisis situation right now but what is actually the um, the learning out of that what are we going to exit this situation um, yes how, how are we going to exit this situation and in COVID when it comes to COVID there's some um, aspect that I have to say is that um, indeed something is happening it is like People like you and I, sitting, I think, eight, nine thousand kilometers, you know, apart,
0: yeah,
1: get far together away. and you know, very far away, and try to be productive with each other. You know, it's trying to absolutely um, exchange economic value, you know, and yes. this is happening effortlessly among African people. Um, yes. you can see this in the um the rare birds group.
0: Oh yeah, in um, our in our WhatsApp group, yeah, yeah,
1: it's <laughs> like podcast group. So many initiatives are launching and um, some people are working on exciting things. Yeah, it's like also the activism to counterbalance or the the effects of COVID um, are going to result in collaborations with the exact um, learnings and organizational structures that we have built. So after COVID, you know, it it is going to it's not going to be talked about by the end of the year, I think. Mm -hmm. But what happens then? You know, it's like what happens then? And this is also, I think, in the case of uh, what is going on in the uh, U.S., how are we going to organize? And as the case for COVID, I see that um, there is some kind of institutionalization of our relationships happening. You know, it's becoming real, real um, an asset. So um, I think this is the way to go. And maybe it is also good that um, this entire pandemic and the economic um, aftermath is, you know, you know, happened so early in this century, in this decade. You know, I mean, it's going to yes, pass, obviously yes, it will. And but it's so going we, to open up yeah. so
0: many new opportunities yeah. for and African young. entrepreneurs. You see? Yeah, yeah.
1: We are, we are so yeah. young. Ten years from now, no one will will talk about that, and we are still super young. And I'm going to be young. Yeah. It's like this is going to be beautiful.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So there you have it, folks. The African future. I'm excited about the African future, William. Are you?
1: Oh, totally. I can't wait. Getting up every day, expecting it.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I think there's so much to come out of the African continent that will have an impact on the world. And anybody who does not get that by now or doesn't understand Well, I know all my listeners do. That's why they're listening to the podcast. But (laughs) not that the podcast is just Africa focused. You know, it's developing world. But a big part of the developing world is African continent. Right. So um, anybody that doesn't understand that is sadly sadly misguided so yeah the african future folks so william where can people find you um do you have socials um your website all that good stuff that you want to share
1: you know i'm actually a little bit social lazy but you can find me on linkedin my website is (laughs) www. Chitangala.io You're very I'm active on gonna...
0: LinkedIn, though. You're very active on LinkedIn.
1: Well, this is my game. So I don't know how um, Instagram works. So don't even ask me or dare ask me how TikTok works. Um, okay, well, hit LinkedIn, LinkedIn and your
0: website. Okay, yeah. cool. I think LinkedIn is the best place. So just search yeah, for yeah. your name, William Chitangala. C-H-I-T-A-C-H-I-T-A-N-A-G-L-A. Chitangala. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I (laughs) hope I spelled that correctly. And people can find you. And I'll also put all your details in the show notes as well. And your LinkedIn will be there so people can connect with you. William, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so happy that you were on the podcast.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for
0: joining us and for sharing with us.
1: Thank you, too. Thank you, too, Joanne.
0: All right. Okay, guys. The African future. Think about it. And until next time, bye for now. Hey there, rare ones! I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listen across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdsHQ.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.